the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You have to know when you're being provoked by the liar and moved emotionally rather than out of the dignity of the Imago Day as a king and a queen. So with the mind, I serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. As we close out the week here on Way of Grace, we do so returning to the book of Judges. Welcome to the program coming to you from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. Our teacher and pastor, Jesse Gastan. Information can be found at grace-bible.com. As we continue our time together today, we do so looking once again at Deborah, the exceptional ruler. It's there that we catch up with Pastor Jesse for today's program. We've got three uh, protagonists in our text, one of which we are somewhat concerned about. His name is Barak. And the other two protagonists, the positive characters in our exercise here in Judges chapter 4 is Deborah, the judge, and her compatriot, Jael, her sister. Deborah opens up the narrative. Jael closes the narrative because they are the two prominent parties to be taken into view. Given that we have a condition in the book of Judges at this time that reflects frequently where we are today in our own culture, and I won't press into it too deeply, but I don't think that there would be an argument with us that things have been turned upside down in such a way today that it is very difficult to find a Gabor, a Gabor. Now, the word Gabor is a term that refers to a mighty man of valor, a mighty man of valor. Men everywhere, but Gabors are hard to find. And this happens to be because the same pressures that existed in Israel at that time are the pressures that you and I are dealing with today, where alien powers, antagonistic powers have come in and destroyed the biblical worldview of a relationship between men and women, where men are to be providers, men are to be protectors, and men ought to be producers in that order. In that order, they are to be providers. That is a particular Hebrew concept that is indicated and again hinted at in the Genesis narrative. When God created man, he created man with the right and obligation to provide. So he gave him a business. And then he gave that man the privilege of having a partner to share in his own vision. In chapter 1, verse 26, let us make men in our image, in our likeness. Let them, 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 plural, male and female, created he them in the image of God, created he him, in order that they might multiply and replenish and subdue the earth. 
That's the way that God phrased it so that now Adam has a helper and his job with her is to expand God's glory throughout the world. He would be a provider. He would be a protector. And then ultimately he would be a producer. In other words, the seed replicates under the complementarian relationship between the man and the woman. Do you buy that model? That's the model that God set up. And he said, it's the best for humanity. And where humanity violates that model, all of humanity is under a threat. So today you and I are dealing with identity crisis. You and I are dealing with gender crisis. You and I are dealing with relationship crisis. You and I are dealing with family crisis. You and I are dealing with business crisis. You and I are dealing with cultural crisis. We're dealing with national crisis, crisis after crisis after crisis, because the wrong God is on the throne in the hearts of humanity. The wrong God is on the throne. So we we study our Bible. We expound the text. We try to understand it tied to the text in order to teach the truth as it is in Christ. So men and women might know your Bible is actually telling you about what's going on in our world. So as, as I said, as we move into this first point, the Armageddon triumph hinted at, we are looking at verses 10 through 15, where Barak was called unto a position uh, before God through the voice of the prophetess Deborah, we read over in uh, verse 10, and Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went up with him. Now he's responding, as you guys know, by the instigation of Deborah, who called him from his home to a mission that she knew that God had called him to do, but he hadn't responded until she said it. Now he's moving out in obedience to that command. And if you look at the language, he's got 10,000 men at his feet, willing and ready to serve. They all come up out of what we call the northern Galilean part of the world. I told you that Barak was a neighbor to Jesus. And so that whole region is a picture of where we're going in terms of the incarnation of the son of the living God and his work as our Gibor, his work as our producer, his work as our provider in terms of the redemption of our soul. So under point number one, we are looking at verses 10 through 15, which say, now Heber, the Kenite, which was of the children of Habab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites. He pitched his tent unto the plain of Zanaim, which is by Kadesh. This is a valley area. I'll talk about those two regions in a moment. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. Now, Mount Tabor, if you give me the visual, is a mountain in the uh, Naphtali and Zebulon regions where God had told Barak through Deborah to take his men and situate themselves on top of that mountain, on top of that particular mountain. And that mountain would then be a strategic place for God's soldiers to prepare for that battle. If you have that image, it should be able to be pulled up. I want you guys to get a visual because what I shared with you guys last week was this. I told you that God, when he cares about his people, when he does not want them destroyed, will help them do a, a roundabout. He will put them in a position where they can handle whatever attack will come on them. After all, why would you have a God who would not warn you 
before the evil comes so that you might respond and make the proper adjustment in order to handle the evil. Would God be loving to you and me to let us simply be taken by surprise without the least bit of warning that there will be the eagles flying in with their banners surrounding Jerusalem and will siege it in 37 years and take it down so that you can see it coming and make your flight to Pella? Does God love you when he warns you about the evil that's coming? That's what's going on in our text right now. I love God for it. What he's telling his servants to do is gird up the loins of your mind and be ready for a battle. You are in a battle. You are in the Lord's land. And in the Lord's land, there are people who have the audacity to think that it's their land. And they will take out anyone who would dare to assert that the one true and living God runs the universe. Now, that's the time that I live in. Men and women are threatened by people who actually believe that God rules over everything. And here we have a situation where this is some 4,000 feet. They are making their excursion up the hill. This is Barak and 10,000 with him. We will take that because that is a paradigm of gospel truth. And what a position to be in on top of that mountain. Do you know what that means? You can see the enemy coming from everywhere. God positions his people to be able to see when they are walking with him, the evil afar off in order that they might respond appropriately. He does nothing but that he shows it to his servants first. So God will do that with you in your life too. Think about it, child of God. He'll let you know when you're out of pocket. He'll let you know when you're not right. He'll let you know when trouble is knocking at your door. He'll let you know, won't he? And sometimes it takes a long time for us to adjust to his subtle knockings, his subtle attention getting, his his subtle, and he'll do it subtly first. Providence is the hand of God to whisper to you until your rebellion leads God to now have to bring discipline. Providence is the hand of God to whisper to you because God rather, as we're learning, ladies, just have a face to face conversation with you and the comfort of unity and harmony just kind of let you know what he's up to. He'd rather do that with us. I've told you God is a talking God, is he not? And he has spoken to us from the beginning. God has spoken who can but prophesy. And so we have before us a beautiful collaboration on the part of God with his covenant keeping people. And Deborah, Deborah, who actually is now the mouthpiece for God, and she's finally cudgeled Barak to do the right thing. So these men are on top of the mountain. If I had the screen spread further, it would be just a bit uh, west, uh, south, southwest, that another mountain is in that same area. That is called the mountain of Megiddo. Armageddon is actually the New Testament term for Mar. Megiddo, Har Megiddo. Har is the Hebrew term for Heola, Heola. The term Megiddo simply means the gathering together, the gathering together, the hill upon which they gather to fight, the hill upon which they gather to fight. You and I'll be looking at some Psalms around this because God has made this clear. So what that indicates is you're in a world where there's constant fighting going on. Is that not right? from the beginning of time. I'm sorry, you, you, you're not in glory yet. And there are battles everywhere going on on all kinds of fronts. And the child of God really needs to know the battle, the battle lines, and they need to know what part of the battle they have been called to. Please understand, you're in a battle, I don't care who you are. 
I asserted it in the opening. If you're a man, you're in a real battle around defining what biblical manhood is. If you're a woman, you are in an enormous battle of the definition of what it means to be a woman. If you are children, they are ready to take you and redefine you any kind of way they want to and destroy the image of God in you and make you think you can be whatever you want to be in contradistinction distinction to the way that God made you and the, the vehicle and means by which he made you that way. We are in that world right now. If you are a husband and wife, hell is trying to destroy your marriage right now as we speak. Hell is trying to destroy your marriage. You might as well be honest about it. It's tugging at your soul every day and every night. And its job is to keep you and your spouse in constant opposition to each other until the whole thing breaks. That's the world we live in. It's the world we live in right now. And unless a man or woman understands that God has a strategy, he has an integrating strategy. God has an organizing principle that's able to keep you and I under and in his will so that we don't disintegrate under the pressures of the culture. You will indeed disintegrate under the pressures of the culture. Might as well wake up to the warfare and say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening because the war is on right now in front of your face. You can pretend that you're not in a war. That's just a lie. You're sticking your head in the sand. Every day the enemy is advancing to take you out. Every day. That's that uneasy feeling you have in your soul, as do I, that we have to be on alert. And our Lord told us that. Beware of men. Beware of false prophets. Beware of those who will speak to you smooth things and comfortable things. All men by nature are liars. So the people of God have to understand where you are in your battle. So the gathering is a preemptive attempt to deal with satanic assault. That's sub point A. That's the gathering going on in our uh, outline. That's what verse 10 is about. And then notice what is stated in verse 13. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots even 900 chariots of iron and all the people that were with him from Harasheth of the Gentiles unto the river Kishon. Again, if I had the geographical map together, notice what it says. And Sisera gathered all his men. This was a serious threat for him because see, he actually had abided in what is called the regions of Jezreel. That's a major valley between Mount Tabor and uh, 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 Megiddo, Mount Megiddo. It's a major area where the Gentiles rule. You've heard the term in Matthew 9 coming out of Isaiah 9, uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people that sat in darkness has seen a great what? A great light. Galilee of the Gentiles, the northern region of Israel was largely Galilean. It was largely Gentile culture. That's where our Lord grew up. This is why so many Gentiles have come to Christ, because God planted his son amongst the mixed multitude, not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles. But it was at that time where some of your greatest, more formidable armies had situated themselves before Jabin. There was Moses, uh, one of the great pharaohs of Egypt that ran that same territory. In that territory, metallurgy, iron work was done. When you go and look it up now, a lot of excavation has taken place. A lot of uh, digging up artifacts and discovering how well 
uh, fortified those kingdoms were. They engaged in iron. They engaged in brass. They were major military forces. They were wealthy. They were prominent. Remember, again, what you're hearing now with Caesar gathering together his army, he did not leave out his 900 chariots. Why? Israel had no chariots. Israel didn't have that kind of prowess on a military level. And I shared with you, did I not last week, that because they were under the pressure and control of the Gentiles under Jabin, Jabin has systematically taken all their weapons away, taken all their guns, increased the bills to take away your weapons. I, I, I could tell you a story. I could tell you a story going on today. Y'all probably don't know it, but it happened in Charleston just recently. Some dude wanted to shoot up a whole bunch of kids graduating. And some mama was there. Remind me of JL. Pulled her pistol out and shot that brother down. And the party kept rolling. And they just dragged his carcass on the way. I like that kind of ending, don't you? I like that kind of ending. I love that kind of ending. See, men and women can be responsible for each other when you got a sound mind. I'd rather my neighbor have the gun than the gangs have the guns. So we got the same thing going on in our text that goes on in our world. Strategically take away the power from the holy people. Strategically take away the ability for them to stand in their own autonomy, their own right, their own identity. And, and these battles are going on. By the way, let me just say this as a caveat while I have your attention. When you read the Old Testament and you see a lot of these military excursions and you see war, like you guys, are, every time we preach from this text toward the end of chapter four, this is what I hear in the audience from the sisters. Oh, oh, oh. When that nail went in his head, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like y'all don't watch movies. <laughs> Like, y'all don't watch movies. Oh, oh. I thought it was glorious. I thought it was glorious. Oh, oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm going to teach you something about Jael in a moment. She knew something that most of those guys didn't know. Okay? She knew something, as we all should know. And we had to deal with verses 11, 12, and 17 in our text, where in the midst of pressure and chaos, as is in our world, you're going to always have apostasy. You're going to always have, see, when the pressure's on, your limbic system is kicking in and working in overdrive. That's the enemy. That's what he likes to do. He does not want you to be settled and spiritual. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you to be agitated. He wants you to be nervous. He wants you either in fight mode, fright mode, or flight mode. He does not want you settled in your position in Christ. He does not want you resting, and he does not want you ruling from your mind. He wants you ruling from your emotions. So your actions are driven by fear and anxiety rather than the right standards of the truth of the God of glory. Am I making sense? Right. See, when your limbic system is operating, your flesh is operating. It's not your spirit. This is why you and I find ourselves so frequently doing the wrong thing as a child of God and regretting it. But what we're failing to realize is that we've been provoked to operate out of the flesh. And the flesh can never do spiritual things. It can only do carnal things. And you have to know when you're being provoked by the liar and moved emotionally. 
rather than out of the dignity of the Imago Dei as a king and a queen. So with the mind, I serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. I'm going to always sin when my emotions are dominated me instead of my rationale, instead of my intellect, instead of a biblical worldview, framing how I see a thing. Does that make sense? So Heber, Heber, who was one of the Kenites, as you guys and you and I already know, that tribe that assisted Moses in bringing the children of Israel into the promised land. This brother is a privileged Gentile in the midst of the people of God, is he not? He has no reason being there. God had simply selected him like he selects you and me to be part of God's movement. And he finds himself in the promised land. But as I said to you last week, more times than not, when the people of God are stumbling and failing and faltering, then people now want to separate and scatter from you. Right. And so what Hebrew did, because he was into making money, he was a real Hebrew. Um, his name speaks for itself because it comes directly up out of the sons of Noah. Okay. The Hebrew people are the people of Abraham, but they were Gentiles. I just want you to, to know that. Um, he thought he would position himself where he could have a relationship with the pagan Kings. And he did, didn't he? If it wasn't for the fact of his relationship with King Jobin, Caesarea would have never, never had the comfort to enter into the tent of his home. You notice how Caesar is taking off. He's running with his tail between his legs and he needs somewhere to rest. The first thing he thinks about is that traitor Heber. Heber is an Old Testament correspondence to Judas Iscariot. Okay, Alexander the coppersmith and everyone that turned against the true servants of God. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Right. And so... um, We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But as we are working through the Armageddon uh, uh, triumph hinted at, God has already moved proactively, preemptively to put his people in a position where they could benefit. Now, look at verse 13 again, because I want to take you through some New Testament passages to anchor down our thought. I hope you're following me. Verse 13. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron and all the people that were with him from Harasheth of the Gentiles unto the river of Kishon. He's now positioning himself, flanking himself right by the area of Tabor. He wants to go up to fight Barak and the 10,000 men. He's ready to go up. All right. So your Bible is teaching you something about spiritual warfare here. This is what you would want to know. Look with me in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. Just going to show you a correspondence. And so even the book of Revelation is using Old Testament language to speak to us in terms of New Testament realities. You guys know that. I've told you before, your Bible is a history book. And only through the emblematic symbolism of that book do we have eternal truth. Look at what it says in Revelation 16, 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come up out of the mouth of the dragon. Now, the dragon is the spiritual power behind the nation and behind the apostate church. We got three here. This is your unholy trinity. You guys keeping up with me today? The dragon is that great oriental image. He is corresponding to Leviathan in the Old Testament. You guys know that. The dragon that makes his way through the sea of humanity and control them and dominate them and devour them. The dragon is none other than Satan himself. You know that Revelation chapter 12. Well, what is this saying? Satan controls the governments of our world. 
What else is it saying? Satan controls every form of apostasy. Everyone that departs from the truth has been persuaded by Satan to leave God. So in this unholy trinity, we've got a political kingdom. We've got uh, Satan behind that political kingdom. In the historical context, it's Jerusalem. It was a political kingdom. And the Roman Empire, first century Rome. You guys got that? And then you have what is called the great whore or the false prophet, which is the apostate church of Israel. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.